Perhaps the only tougher road trip is a trip to the Cattery. Now, wasn't that some imposing performance from the Cats on Saturday night? It loomed as one of the games of the round. Well, it proved to be anything but. Cameron and Hawkins shared ten between them, five apiece. They couldn't miss. And Geelong, almost a three-figure margin. It was Sydney's biggest loss since 1998. Sydney don't get hammered like that. Well, the Cats batted them into submission at the Cattery. Let's head down that way now and chat to Wes Cusworth, host of the Cats Whiskers. Good morning, Wes. Good morning, Jacob. Hello, Wayne. Yes, you greet me on a morning where uh, Geelong supporters are still very much glowing in the, well, basking in the afterglow of the success of the weekend. It was a fantastic defeat of the Sydney Swans. Obviously, we were hopeful that we could repeat something along the lines of what we saw in last year's grand final, and for it to come to fruition was, in the end, probably even a little bit surprising to many. So, very, very pleasing results, and I think Geelong supporters are still really realistic enough to know that they were playing an undermanned Swans lineup, but at the same time, you've got to take big 93-point wins like that, don't you? Yeah, and it makes you wonder, what, what happened in those first three games? I just think they were unprepared, Wayne. I think at the time when I was uh, having a chat to, to Woey and, and Jacob, I was explaining that I felt that Geelong had... I don't know whether they'd spent a little bit too much time on those premiership celebrations mm. or, or just maybe they were under, unprepared. There are a number of players that were just off the mark in terms of their fitness and their level of intensity for an AFL game of football. So I think they're slowly, well, certainly they're slowly gaining momentum. They have had good defeats against sides that they would be expected to win against. Um, and this one obviously was were blown out, we know that. But interestingly enough, Geelong sitting ninth and having the second best percentage in the competition, not sure that that's happened very much in recent times. It's pretty extraordinary when we're sitting just uh, 5.2% behind St Kilda and we're still outside the eight. But hopefully good positive things to come for the Cats moving forward. Jeremy Cameron, five straight. Tom Hawkins, five straight. They weren't all plumb in front. They weren't 30-metre set shots directly in front. Those two were just trading boundary line... Uh, brilliance at different stages during that game. Yeah, look, Tom Hawkins, his longevity as a key forward and his impact on a game is extraordinary. And we all know that the way Jeremy Cameron's season is unfolding, a lot of people are really talking him up. Can he potentially win the double? Now, we've spoken already about the fact that, you know, can a, a player that's not a, a midfielder nowadays, albeit that he does push up the ground, he does gather a lot of possessions, he does do a lot of running. Obviously, he's a player that is going to come uh, under the noses of the umpires and, and pick up a lot of those possessions that are going to attract a fair bit of attention. So, um, gee, those two weapons. I mean, that was the key, wasn't it? Really, back to the early days when we were talking about securing Cameron's services, it was all about imagine having a two-pronged attack and you've really just got to win the ball in the middle and get it down there. And that is a very, very hard proposition for opposition defenders to combat, and particularly as the Swans were were overwhelmed, weren't they? Um, they were just absolutely outsized. And, um, you know, it was almost as if they didn't have quite the same numbers out there on 
Saturday night, but there we have it, Geelong running away with what was a fantastic victory. I mean, the interesting thing, again, is to see how um, the coaching staff and that manage some of the senior players. You know, you've got your Hawkins and Dangerfields. And losing the first three probably didn't help in that suddenly, oh, gee, we've got to win games. And um, I, I suppose that's going to be one of their big focuses again this year. One of the keys to their success of last season, I think that very thing, we, we remember that Dangerfield had that mid-season spell and there's probably the potential for that to become a relevant sort of issue for a number of other senior players. So player management is going to be key. But you're right, Wayne, because I think losing the, the first three and all of a sudden it wasn't so much a pressing of the panic button, but it was just about, well, we really need to get and keep our key players on the park, mm. making certain that they're having a, the capacity to impact the game and just managing their, their workload. And you know, for a long time, Different players in different categories within any team have had different workloads when it's come to training and when they go back to pre-season training and the like. But I think Geelong last year, they were the masters of managing their more experienced players, which is where they were able to take that um, perception that a lot of people in the media in particular had that they were too old and too slow and they were able to turn that around and just say, well, okay, well, yeah, you might think that, but in reality, our experience and skill and being well-managed is, is central to us uh, tasting success with the unfurling of the flag on Saturday night. Yeah, a great occasion and marked by a crushing 93-point win for the Cats over the Sydney Swans. It was a late change. We know Chris Scott and the match committee do love a late change. John Segler went out and the ruck duties were performed by Mark Blitzars and Sam De Koning. Now, we know Sam De Koning's a key defender, but he's well over... 200 centimetres, have they um, unlocked another piece of genius down there by allowing Sam DeConing a run in the ruck? Is the size and structure of a man somewhat reminiscent of Rod Blake, who Wayne will remember. Um, they, Jack Dyer once called Rod Blake a pull-through for a shot done. He was that skinny. Sam DeConing's a bit the same. I suspect that this was a stopgap measure. We do not want to see Sam DeConing playing too much time uh, in the ruck because obviously he is a key defender for the future and we would like to think that we're going to get another good decade or more out of him as a key defender and you just don't want to have the, the battering that occurs in the ruck, uh, something that comes to impact and shorten his playing career. But um, the boys carried it off very well. I'm, I'm not sure about Segler. Like there's certainly um, amongst the Cats Whiskers crew, there's uh, real reservations about Segler's capacity to impact a game. And uh, even when I saw him running around in the VFL a couple of weeks back against Werribee, the Geelong VFL team was successful on that occasion. Segler was pretty effective, but he just doesn't have that capacity to, to make his mark on a contest in a game like the, some of the preeminent ruckmen of the competition. So I think that was probably uh, it was a good decision to make um, and just Geelong's versatility in terms of being able to throw Blitzavs and uh, Taconi into the ruck and, and have them carry it off was, was very, very effective once again. Um, we keep saying about the senior players of, of Geelong and um, obviously they've made a, a massive influence, but it was the introduction over the last few years of players of Myers, Holmes, uh, Close and things like that. I mean, are they continuing their push forward, you know, in, in the, as becoming now, I suppose, not, not senior players, but ready to take over those roles? Well, certainly their game's evolving and they are maturing into more seasoned players. And it's like any situation, the more games you get under your belt, the sort of increased impact that you can have on the contest and on uh, on any given game. And, of course, Sam Simpson's inclusion was you know, critical to 
Geelong turning things around and being just another option moving forward, kicking goals, gathering plenty of possessions, finding other key forwards uh, and adjusting as if he had hardly missed the beat, which was fantastic because he had his injury woes. And um, I just think that uh, maybe some of those talented young players that come out of the under-18 system and they're superstars in the under-18 system, but they've got to actually learn to get onto an AFL list to play their role, to understand the function and and maybe the fact that they're not necessarily the glamour player in that particular side, certainly for the time being, um, and they're just maturing into a, a position where they can impact the contest and um, yeah, really contribute to a side's success. Wes Cusworth with us, uh, host of the Cats Whiskers. He'll tell us about the uh, the latest podcast, which you'll hear uh, Friday night and again on uh, Saturday morning. Hey, Wes, um, the Essendon this week, the Bombers look so good for three quarters. They're certainly an improved side. There's always been a good rivalry between these two clubs. Uh, certainly not an easy match this week. This week, I really rate Essendon quite highly this season. I think that you know, they're a side that just things have come together beautifully for them. They was very much in um, a position to win yesterday's game, the Anzac Day Clash, which was absolutely huge, played before just in excess of 95,000 people at the MCG. And if you've ever had the opportunity to be in an MCG crowd of that size, which is typically the reserve of uh, the AFL Grand Final, it's just absolutely enormous. The atmosphere is wonderful. And I, I felt that they handled the big stage game really, really well. And I think... We've just got to pay credit to Collingwood and they were the, the superior side and the capacity to run over the top of them across the course of that fourth quarter was quite extraordinary. So um, I rate Essendon very, very highly. They were beaten yesterday by a superior side. That's as much as we need to say about that contest. And this weekend, I think Essendon, the only thing that's going to hurt them is the fact that they've got a, a shortened uh, rest period between games as opposed to Geelong. Geelong's going to benefit from having a few days extra. Uh, obviously, Geelong's older list is going to benefit from that sort of thing. But I rate this uh, Essendon lineup as a very talented team, and I think that they're going to make for a great contest. And gee, I, I would imagine that you know there's that capacity for a 70,000-75,000 crowd at the MCG again this weekend. So as much as um, we love playing games at GMHBA Stadium, particularly at the moment with uh, the reduced crowd capacity because of our grandstand uh, construction. Um, we know that any game at the MCG is, is a game that Geelong welcomes because it's going to be played before a really big crowd. And should be a good game too. Sunday, the early game, uh, that one at the MCG. Uh, Cats Whiskers this week, um, you mentioned Tom Hawkins a little bit earlier. Uh, Tom's father, who is a terrific player in his own right for the Cats, Jack Hawkins, is your guest this week. He actually made his debut for Geelong on the Easter weekend, which was then round three, I believe, against Collingwood in 1973. So here it is, 50 years since Jack Hawkins debuted for Geelong, the boy from Finlay coming down from the southern riverina of New South Wales. And Jack is one of the great gentlemen of football. I've uh, known him for quite some time uh, through a lot of the MC work that I do here in regional Victoria. And he was the Murray Football League president for a period of time. Even the Murray League actually straddles the um, the Murray River, which is the Victoria New South Wales border. And Jack was on the other side, so he was a, a New South Welshman. Still is because he's back on the farm, working on the farm now as he's 68. Um, just an absolute delight to talk to. And he speaks about his own career, but he also speaks about the significance of his son um, clocking up 
game 3-3-3 and just the wonderful impact that he's had as a three-time Geelong Premiership player. Jack had a couple of brothers as well who played for Geelong, is that right? Yeah, Mick and Rob, they actually came down for a season each. They were pretty talented. They were really tall. In fact, I think they were both taller than Jack. And Jack's um, not a small man. He would have been about 6'1", 6'2", but he had, uh, as either Jacob you will see through the highlights or Wayne will attest to, he had an amazing leap. And as a defender, he was able to um, climb over the top of Paps and make sure that the ball was fisted away and it was really hard for to keep opposing forwards to take marks. He was actually thrown forward in one of his early games and bagged a few goals, and he talks about that experience of uh, kicking three straight, and I think that might be his career haul, three straight, um, certainly on that occasion, and uh, I'm not even sure that young Tom can boast to uh, kicking three straight on any given occasion, um, apart from the Saturday effort of five straight, which was fantastic, but... Uh, uh, Tom would love to be able to average that sort of thing. Jack uh, likes to think that he's got one over his son. Well, they've uh, been a great father-son combination for Geelong. You think of all the games that they've played, they would have combined for well over 500. And, yeah, Jumping Jack will be a great listen on the Cats' whiskers this week. Uh, Wayne, anything to throw at Wes before we say goodbye? Oh, no, just, I suppose, the local footy. Um, how's it, is that, you know, keep kept strong, you know, with all the pressures that are on and, and around the places with other sports? Yeah, good question, because I know there's some patches of uh, the region of Victoria where things aren't travelling so well, but certainly down here in Geelong, we've got three major leagues down here, and uh, it's resu- it's things have resumed as per normal pre-COVID. Things are travelling very, very well. There's high-quality football being played. There's um, some players being attracted out of the AFL. I noticed that Reese Conker... Uh, made his debut for Bannockburn. Now they're in the third tier of the senior football competitions down here in Geelong in the Geelong and District Football League. So Reese Conker playing for Bannockburn. Um, so AFL players coming back to local football is certainly something that we're seeing a fair bit of. And the crowds are turning out, and we had some massive uh, Anzac Day crowds at different games around the region. So things are travelling really, really well. And the same is true of cricket. I know that the three of us all share our great love for cricket, and we saw that um, in the last season in particular, the last couple of seasons, things have really returned to normal, and um, things are continuing to rise as um, clubs go about whatever sport we're talking about. They go about preparing their players really well, getting good coaches in, thinking about the mind game as much as the physical game and there's um, really really positive things happening in local sport over here in Victoria and it's really great to see Excellent, all starts at the grassroots and at the local level so great to see it's thriving after a few challenging years provided by COVID. Wes, great to chat to as always on a Wednesday, we will hear the Cats Whiskers later in the week That's fantastic and I look forward to speaking with you guys once again next week. That's Wes Cusworth from uh, the beautiful part of Australia the Cattery, Geelong an hour out of Melbourne and the Cats have certainly made their home ground a fortress over many years, and it looks as though it'll be again this year.